Hi everyone, today I have Emma Thompson from me, uh, with me, from me, with me, uh, from British Friendly with me. Hi Emma. <laughs> Hi Catherine, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm just going to, you know, sorry, get myself um, a cup of tea, quick, quick drink of bag of myself sorted so I don't do that. How are you? I am good. The sun is shining here in lovely Lincoln, which is great after not such great weather recently. So that's Absolutely. always a bonus, especially on a Monday. Absolutely, absolutely, especially with taking the dog out for walks as well. I mean, that's just yes, perfect, yes. isn't it? Well, today, everybody, we're going to be talking about Emma and her experience of being diagnosed with breast cancer, the things that she found useful on her road to recovery, the things that she didn't find so useful. And we'll be talking about how her protection insurances were able to help her during this time. So this is the Practical Protection Podcast. So Emma, obviously we just heard that the sun is shining, lovely for you. How's it been for you this weekend? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I'm actually having a kitchen extension done um, mm -hmm. next month, all being well. I know, and we're nice. nearly in October, aren't we? Which is quite scary. Yeah. So I've had to do a lot of clearing out <laughs> because yeah. it's going into my garage. And you know what garages are like. So <laughs> I've had to do a lot of sorting. So um, yes, but then I also got to see some friends as well. So that was all good. Oh, lovely. That sounds absolutely amazing. I was going to say, I think I'm, I'm sort of like picturing now sort of like really nice mood lighting, one of those central bar type things that you can work out. Are we doing all that kind of stuff? Or it's... Not quite on that scale, no, oh, okay. but it will definitely be an improvement because I've got a rather rickety sort of like lean to awful utility room thing at the moment, which needs demolishing. So that's right. going to go. So it will be a huge improvement, which is which will be great. And um, yes, my dog Molly will have a not far nice space for her to chill out in as well. That's where she's at the moment stuck in the kitchen. So she doesn't start woofing at us. Brilliant. <laughs> I was going to say that's the main thing. Make sure it is doggy friendly. And yes, it's, it's absolutely her little <laughs> kingdom. Fantastic. So we do have a truth or lie feature on the podcast and last time, so you get to guess this time as to who is telling the truth and who's lying. So last time we had Vicky Church on and she said that the last film that she watched was Spartacus and I said mine was Avengers. So who do you think was telling the truth? I'm going to go, oh it's a tough one. Let's go with Vicky. Vicky's telling the truth. Vicky was lying. Ugh. This is the first time that I've not been caught out. This is incredible. <laughs> I do think that, I think last time I said the Avengers, which I think is completely different to actually what I'm meaning. Yeah, I did the Avengers with the, you know, the Groot. I am Groot thing. Um, so yeah, my, um, my, all my films now are kid friendly and, um, and what we can watch with them. But, uh, but yes, so, so that was good for everybody who was listening. I don't know what Vicky's last film was, so I'm sorry I can't give that information to everybody. <laughs> Obviously, Emma, thank you so much for joining me. I think it's a good idea to get straight into things. You know, you've been very open about the fact that you were diagnosed with breast cancer and that you obviously your treatment and your recovery. And you've spoken really passionately at the recent think tanks uh, with British Friendly and I Pipeline, obviously you were with myself and Steph Hyden, about conversations that can be supportive um, when somebody's had cancer and then sometimes things that can be said people maybe say in the in probably the most sincere supportive manner but actually they maybe don't come across quite right so can you just start off please by telling everybody in a sense how you found out that you had breast cancer so well yeah I mean, it's, it's over a year um now since kind of this all started so um it was sort of uh march time i think it was where um, as you do, you know, I'm just scrolling through social media and I saw um, an image on one of the posts 
um, from an organisation who promotes this image called Know Your Lemons. And um, essentially, for those of you who haven't seen Know Your Lemons, and I would absolutely urge you to, to have a look to, you know, especially if you're female, but even if you're, you know, a guy, guys do get breast cancer as well. And also you might be able to share it with the um, female loved ones in your life as well. So um, the Know Your Lemons literally um, has lemons in a, in a large ex egg box and the lemons are there to illustrate the different changes that a woman or a man might experience in their breasts. Um, and I just saw this image and being open, um, one of them was to do with um, inverted or sunken nipples. And I thought, oh, okay, that's kind of me. Um, so I went along to the GP and I got referred and went along to my local hospital and had all the, the tests. And I, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I thought I would just rock up, you know, have a, have a couple of tests go home and then be told by my GP you know as and when afterwards and I don't have any history of breast cancer in my family I don't really have any history of cancer at all in my family yeah. um so I wasn't really expecting the bad news that I got but as it turned out on the day um I had many tests in the hospital and I kept going back into the waiting room and then having another one and then as soon as they then called me from the waiting room that last time and then took me into a room with sofas and cushions um i thought right i kind of know what's coming here um and yes and whilst they couldn't give me a complete diagnosis at that point because i'd literally walked in there that morning um they did sit down and they just said you know we're we're sorry to have to tell you but we are pretty pretty sure that you've got breast cancer so that was that and because i wasn't really sure what to expect i had gone by myself and so receiving that news by myself was obviously you know an, an extra shock um and you know i didn't really tell anybody because i said i wasn't really expecting anything and also my my dad's health had been really awful so i didn't want to create extra worry for for my parents so i just nice. kind of kept it I, nobody even knew i was going to the doctor for a checkup so it was yeah it was quite a quite a difficult day it's probably an understatement but yeah it was a difficult time that's for sure i was gonna say i mean that's that's really intense i mean in many ways it's so good isn't it that you went in in the morning and by the end of the day you had you had that knowledge i mean i know it's not good in the sense of it's, it's obviously i'm not saying it's good to yeah have been told you have breast no. cancer and it's it's you know it's certainly not but the fact that you were able to find that out in some way so so quickly is is really really incredible i know you've mentioned the know your lemons image and i i, I remember you saying that when you were speaking about it afterwards and i i went and found it and i thought it was so so powerful and if anybody sort of like isn't sure to find it or anything i'll put a little link into the website for it and i also did a little video about it about you know the stop look yeah. listen kind of thing where i'm jiggling my boobs on the screen and stuff like that as you do um but it is such such a powerful thing to just look at to literally look at lemons and think actually it's such a, yeah, it's such it's, a simple image you know whoever created that was, was a genius really because yeah. it just shows so easily you know and i've seen other other sort of uh, material where you know it, it, it's drawn women with, with yeah. you know with, with their with their boobs and obviously you know what you should be looking out for but the lemon one was yeah. so much easier but I was going to say it's so easy and also I think it's such a vivid picture as well you know obviously when yeah. you're scrolling through social media the main thing you know if something's brightly colored and a bit different yeah. it really stands out and that is like I think it's bright yellow lemons yeah. and like a pink background and it. it just it really does catch your eye yeah absolutely so you know a lot of people knock social media for so many reasons and in a lot of ways you know 
rightly so it's not always good um yeah. but certainly for me um i don't know you know how much longer it would have been before i'd have gone to get checked out because you know you normally just think of you know lumps and bumps when it comes yeah. to, to cancer particularly breast cancer um and at the time um i'm not quite so well endowed at the moment but um at the time you know i, I did have big boobs you know being honest i did and and unfortunately for a lot of women who have got big boobs it is far more difficult for them to actually find lumps yeah. just because obviously there, there is, there's more there of course. so you know that that illustration you know was was really was really really helpful to me of course obviously thank you and if, if i suppose if you feel okay too do you mind sort of chatting us through the treatment and what it felt like to go through that process because i know again you spoke about your treatment but um i think there's there's sometimes there's so many different ways that it's kind of treated it'd be really good to sort of like have a bit of a breakdown yeah. as to what it was like well, I, the first thing I'd like to actually like to say was in that room with the sofas and the cushions. Um, one of the things that stood out to me, um, you know, I had a breast care nurse who was, you know, well, a, a doctor gave me that diagnosis, and then a breast care nurse stayed to answer queries and talk about what the next next steps were. But one thing, as a protection professional, that really stood out for me was she actually asked if I'm worried about money. And she asked what sick pay I had, um, you know, and then I obviously got talking to her on that. It, it, to some extent, it kind of helped kind of taking me yeah. out of the whole personal side of things and actually, you know, get my professional hat on. And, I, you know, that was really interesting for me that she that was one of the first questions she asked, which just yeah. illustrates that there were a lot of people sitting in that room before me who would have been not just worried about their health, but really worried about their income and their, their financial yeah. vulnerability as well going forward. You know, and luckily, you know, I didn't have to worry about that, yeah. which, you know, this is why we do what we do. And this is what we say to our clients, you know, over and over again, you know, protection is there so you can just worry about your health and you don't have to worry about about money particularly obviously on the the ip and, and critical illness side so you know for me that was just really interesting but i mean after that day um i went back the following week which is when they would have gone through you know all the all the tests to know exactly what it was that they were facing and i was facing um i met my um breast care surgeon for the first time um who was amazing and i'm really lucky actually that before that meeting um two people uh one lady as a friend of my mum who'd actually had him as her surgeon oh, nice. and another friend of mine his mum had had cancer and she'd also had him as their surgeon so even nice. before meeting him um you know i had reassurance that he was a good guy and he yeah. and he was he's been amazing um and in that meeting you know he talked through what was going to happen um i was lucky in that i didn't need to have a full mastectomy i just needed um a lumpectomy um but even at that point though it's always this is what we think but we can't guarantee it because until we're kind of there um we we don't really know 100 yeah. percent um and as it turns out um they thought initially that uh, my cancer was a grade two invasive cancer but it wasn't as it turned out after the surgery it got confirmed that it was actually grade three okay um so i had that and then in that meeting you know i am lucky that i had private medical insurance so i was able to say well actually i've got i've got this cover and um so even in that first meeting with him he was getting his diary out and saying well actually if you do have that cover you know i can pretty much get you in and it was two and a half weeks later wow. um so within a month of me 
pretty much I would say probably a month from me going to see my GP to actually being on the operating table you know which a lot of people you know aren't lucky enough to to you know to have and obviously when it comes to cancer the, the faster the better really so that's kind of what what happened so I had my surgery on the 17th of May yeah so actually it must have been sorry I'm it's so difficult trying to remember so it must have been April when I went to see, see the GP not the March yeah um so it's 17th of May when I when I had my surgery um and fortunately it was just the lumpectomy that he needed but then it's various stages in the process because you kind of get over that hurdle and then you've got to then wait to for them to actually have done you know the done the check to yeah. see what you're going to need so then the whole thing over my head was am I going to need to have chemotherapy um I knew I was definitely going to have to have radiotherapy whatever happened but it was am I going to need chemo and then you know I then had the appointment where it was told that I didn't need chemotherapy so again that was a another relief yeah um so I then had um do you know I think it was 23 23 um uh, radiotherapy sessions right. which is quite a reasonable number from what I hear because some people go oh that's quite a lot and I to be yeah. honest I don't know what the average is so I don't know whether that's really bad in terms of numbers or yeah. you know I'm sure there are a lot of people that have to have unfortunately a lot more radiotherapy sessions than that but um but yeah so every single day I had to go and have radiotherapy really quite quick you're in and out within you know sort of five minutes but are you able to um, sort of like explain what radiotherapy is? Because I know we hear stuff like this and, you know, I'm the same as you, you know, in a sense that touch wood, no one in my family's had cancer. Or if it, well, they have, but it's been skin cancer. It's not been more something that's inside. And so they've not needed things like radiotherapy. So with the radiotherapy itself, what kind of happens when you go to those appointments? Yeah, so you kind of, so you walk into this room, there's like a massive machine ahead, uh, above you. Um, and because, so for me, it was my left breast that was affected. So the added complication with that is that, you know, they're, they're blasting, you know, the area yeah. affected and, you know, but because my heart is also there, mm -hmm. they have to be really careful. So I was really lucky that, that only a few months before that, um, so Lincoln County Hospital is where I went to yeah. and only a few months before they'd started pioneering this particular technique to try and essentially move the heart away from the affected area when they're blasting oh. and with that you have to essentially what I had to do was hold my breath in so you had to lie down they're like you know filling about with you to get it in the right place um I also you know I've never had a tattoo in my life but unfortunately I now do have three tattoos because I've got oh. a dot here a dot here and a dot here because that's what they used to line me up okay um, so so I'm marked for life you're wild so but yeah so then they I mean I said it literally doesn't take long it wasn't it wasn't really painful it became more sore as time went on but that's yeah. what I was expecting um but yeah, so, you know, they kind of had to tell me, right, hold your breath in. So you'd hold your breath in and then you'd, then they'd, they'd zap you. And then, and then that was that. And then you'd walk out. So okay. if they could get it right in terms of lining you up, then, um, it yeah, said so you were in and out in five minutes really. Right. Um, and the team there were, were great. I didn't have that on my private medical insurance because actually to have that done 
privately I would have had to travel to Nottingham every day which is over an hour away which obviously wasn't ideal yeah um, but it was absolutely fine to go into the NHS and as I said I was lucky that the hospital had pioneered this new technique if I'd have yeah. gone somewhere else and I know through my cancer support group other ladies who had the same treatment before me who didn't have that so there was an added risk really of them damaging the heart which is you know it's just something else you've got to think of it's not just cancer you've got to consider it's all the other bits and bobs that go along with it absolutely Um, so that happened so radiotherapy completed um one thing i would say is that um through my through my insurance i had access to second medical opinion services um, so I contacted Best Doctors and yeah. they recommended that I have the BRCA test, the one that Angelina Jolie had, yeah. which really is to just to see what your effectively what your chance of having cancer again are. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, I do have a sister. So it's important that I wanted to have that test. And if that had come back positive, then my sister and my mum would have, you know, they would have had to have further tests themselves. But actually, you know, that came back clear. So again, that was just sort of another hurdle to kind of get through waiting for those results to come back. And overall, you know, I guess I have been pretty, you know, given the circumstances, I've been pretty lucky. I didn't have to have a full mastectomy. I didn't have to have chemo. I didn't have a negative result on my BRCA test. And, you know, I was able to benefit from all the protection policies that I had in place so I didn't have to worry about money and my you know my employer British Friendly were absolutely amazing as well through all of this so I didn't have to worry about going back to work before I was ready you know in fact I did go back to work before they thought I was because they kept saying you know take your time take your time but I wanted to get back so you know but those things you know are really really important because you just want to focus on just trying to to cope with this devastating news that you've just had so Absolutely. Um, Something, there's a couple of things there that you've said that sorry, really stood out for me. I saw um, a newspaper article, I think it was yesterday, and it really got to me at the time. And it was about this, um, this mum who's, I, I can't remember, she's, she's in the UK. And basically before, um, before lockdown, she was meant to start some kind of, I think, clinical trial or something in regards to her cancer. And, um, and obviously with COVID and everything and lockdown, everything stopped. She's not been able to get it. And she's basically been... I think she's had to try and raise £160,000 or something. And she's been going door to door with her neighbours, just saying to them, please, can you just give me something? And apparently she went up one person. I saw a little bit of it. And I, in a sense, I know it's terrible, but I had to stop reading because I was getting so upset. Um, and she sort of started to go up somebody's drive and they'd been mean to her. And sorry, basically saying, what are you doing coming on my drive kind of thing? And um, and she just said that it just it kind of broke her heart that someone had been like, you know, she plucked up so much courage just to, she felt obviously, see like I can't go and ask people but then she plucked up this courage to ask and uh, and then it was really hard for her and I just you know what you were saying there about just having like the private medical insurance so you can just get into the system as quick as possible even though you know you know like what you said you know, you've gone private to a certain level and then obviously you kind of then switch to the NHS it can just sometimes get you through things it's just it really, really stands out at how important it is. It is. And I do, you know, obviously given whatever, what's going on at the moment, you know, I, I just keep thinking if my diagnosis had been a year later, you know, I would have been, I would have had a, a different situation. I know I would have had a completely different experience. And I just feel really awful for all the, the women and men who are going through this now because, um, yeah as I said you just want that treatment as quickly as quickly as possible um I mean one thing one thing that um 
you know I have said at num on a number of events um, is that I I want everybody you know from a, one professional to to all of you yeah. watching this um, we are really good at saying to customers you know our clients what they should do to make sure that they are protected and we're not always the best at taking our own advice you know you think about the the builder who hasn't sorted out his own extension or the plumber that's got a drippy tap you know really good at looking after clients but don't always follow our own advice so i was really lucky again feeling lucky you know yeah had cancer but you can still feel lucky about stuff I that i this that six months before my diagnosis i changed jobs and that prompted me to review my my, my cover which i hadn't done for far too long i had i should have done it and i didn't um but i did and i'm so grateful that i did because i had a larger critical illness payout than i would have done the one uh, i did have a policy that i'd taken out when i was 24 um yeah. and that did pay out which was great um but you know i did increase the cover and importantly i recognized and i spotted that during my probation period in my new job i wouldn't have had the extra benefits yeah so i I took on my PMI myself so I transferred it from a group scheme into a personal scheme with the with the plan of moving it back into a group scheme yeah when I qualified and it was in that period that pretty much I got diagnosed so I wouldn't have had that that cover yeah. if I hadn't have changed it and also income protection as well I wouldn't have had group IP um when I changed my when I changed jobs as it turns out I passed my probation earlier so I did qualify for it but yeah. I now have personal IP which I obviously will struggle to get yes. for many years to come so even though I'm kind of doubled up on cover now and a lot of people would say well why don't you just cancel that because it's wasted money every month for me I know that if I should change jobs again or if scheme changes, you know, these are things that people should be thinking about. You know, we're not really in jobs for life anymore. I was in my last job for 18 years. I'm not planning on going anywhere at British <laughs> friendly, but you know, things do happen, but at least I know that I've got that added security of my own personal cover because my circumstances have changed. So please, if you haven't reviewed your own cover or your partner's cover, your loved ones, whoever, then please do, you know, for years, I tried to get family and friends to buy insurance and unfortunately it took me getting cancer for some of them to actually go oh my goodness emma yeah you know you've been banging on about me for years maybe i do need some of that cover now and they have now taken out policies so you know don't give up on your family and friends just keep keep nudging them um because it is important that is that is you know some really really good points there because like i say you know i think sometimes you know you you kind of once you're doing something all day, every day yourself, you, when you get home, the last thing you necessarily want to do is sort out your own cover and do yeah. things like that. But so, so important. And I don't think a lot of people would have thought about that, you know, obviously because you are in this and obviously you're really on top of these types of things, you're in our industry, you've known, right, hang on a minute, that probation period, could I, could that maybe change things? And I don't think a lot of people would necessarily think that. And I certainly think people who aren't in our industry i think the majority of people wouldn't think that the amount of people i speak to and i'm chatting away to them i'm saying oh do you have through work do you have this and do you have that and it does seem i think i'm probably 
I think there's probably more people are starting to be aware of that now, but it's still a lot of people just do not know if they're covered for things or they'll go, oh, I am covered for something, but I don't know what. And that's often the answer we get is they'll just go, I do get a little bit of sick pay, but I'm not sure what it is. And you have to sort of say to them, okay, right, it's really, really important that, you know, we find out exactly what that is before we kind of really get to a proper recommendation stage because it's, you know, it can just change the way that we approach things completely. And it's, um, I think a big thing of it as well is just the fact that, and it's, it's not being critical of employers or stuff like that, but I think, you know, with employers, we've got that much things to do. Obviously, I'm an employer myself, so many different things to do. And sometimes making sure that you have these things sort of like in a folder, really easy for people to access and that you send them reminders of it all the time. It's, um, it, it can be quite, I think, difficult. And for some companies, it can sort of like be a bit difficult. Um, and I think as well, sometimes I've had it before where I've said to people, oh, you need to go, it's probably your HR team. You need to go speak to someone in HR and they'll find it out for you. And then they come back to me and go, the HR team haven't got a clue what we're on about. I'm like, well, they're the company, that, they're, they're really the department that needs to know this kind of thing. I know. I mean, obviously so things hard. have changed, but for, for new people starting, you know, there is yeah. an onus for new people starting for employers to tell them, but there's no onus for them to actually tell all the existing staff members that they've got already which I think is where that legislation has kind of missed a trick but I think the other thing is I think a lot of people just go well it's only like three months I mean my probation was six months but it was kind of well as it didn't turn out to be six months but that's what that's what I was kind of facing no cover for six months and you just think well what's really going to happen in six months well I am walking talking living proof that something bad can happen in that period so um you know and I was talking at a conference to somebody Um, I won't mention who, but, you know, they had in in our industry, they had recently changed jobs. They were in their probation. I told them and they went, oh, goodness, I hadn't even thought about that. So, you know, we're all guilty of it. And I'm not sitting here, little Miss Perfect, because I need to sort my will out. So I haven't sorted (laughs) everything out, but I'm just very glad. I'm very glad that I did actually at least do that. Because um, yeah. to be perfectly honest, that would have been frankly rather embarrassing if I'd have had cancer and not been able to claim one other thing, given obviously everything that I've done over the last few years. Well, I think, you know, I think everyone can say that they're very, very happy that you obviously had that in place and that you've had all the support that you've been able to get. I know that you've mentioned there a few times that you obviously had the critical illness cover as well. So I suppose, you know, like a lot of people when we're looking at these things, you know, we talk about income protection, we talk about critical illness cover. And one of the things I find as an advisor is that sometimes, especially when we're looking at the price of that kind of policy, you know, the policies, you know, it often becomes people go, well, I can only really afford one in a sense. And I'm not saying sort of, you know, for you to say which one's better because yeah. they all have their own place. And in an ideal world, we all know that everybody would have both in many ways. But obviously we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the fact that, you know, you, would, you did have sort of like some income protection cover there. And you did obviously have an employer who was unbelievably supportive, which is fantastic. But what did it mean to you to have that critical illness payout? I mean, what, what kind of, I mean, obviously there's clearly the kitchen that we know is going to be <laughs> benefited from it. Yes, actually, to some extent, yes, that is, that is one thing. And as I said, you know, that rickety old utility room has been on my list of things to, to change for years. But no, I mean, you know, I did the, 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 you know, I did what a lot of advisors would talk to their clients about, you know, you can pay off, pay off either all or, or part of your mortgage. Um, so I did do the sensible thing with that. Um, I did do, and I'm not the only person because I have been speaking to other people who've been diagnosed with cancer, obviously, for various reasons. And um, yeah, I haven't done quite as crazy as what some of them have done, but um, I did buy a camper van, which um, was a bit of a, you know, sod it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But anyway, it just was one of those things. I'd seen it 
you know, a month or so before. Um, and I just thought, oh, well, that's not something that, you know, I can prioritise at the moment. So it was kind of like, oh, that would be nice to have. That would be nice to have. And, and driving back from the hospital after the second meeting that I had um, was, you know, it was still there. Um, yeah. So I thought well, maybe this is just meant to be. So I went to go and have a look, had a test drive and, and I bought it pretty much on the spot. So, um, you know, and that's enabled me to to go out and do things. You know, when I was off last year, you know, I was able to do small trips um, and it just kind of gave me a bit more of a, a purpose to do yeah. things. And some, you know, and I talked about my, my dog Molly earlier. I was in the middle of adopting her. So actually yeah. one of the things that was going through my mind sitting on that, on that couch being told I had cancer was well, what do I do about Molly? Because, yeah. you know, I was thinking, am I going to be in a position to have a dog? I didn't know what my recovery was going to be. And obviously having a dog when you're trying to recover from major surgery isn't, isn't the yeah. best. And I live alone. So it's not like anybody else was here, you know, to be able to help. So, but you know, my parents said, no, don't be so stupid. Of course you're going to have, we'll help her out. Yeah. And my friends said they'll, you know, they'll, they'll help out as well. So, so, you know, having a, um, you know, having a, having Molly, you know, she gave me a, a reason to, to keep going as well. And, you know, she was there at, when, you know, she needed me as much as I needed her really at the time. So yeah. I had the, got the camper van the day before the surgery and I got Molly a week after. So oh, it was, boy. It was all, yeah, the three oh, C's is what I kind of say. Camper van, Cocker Spaniel and cancer. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> We've had the three C's, no more C's. There we go. Absolutely, no, no, <laughs> no, no, more, no more C's. No, definitely not. Not unless it's like some like a Caribbean holiday or something. That would be rather nice, especially given, given what we're going through at the moment. Um, but, you know, you know, I'm still undergoing treatment. You know, it's not over. I've got to have a mammogram every year. And because of the pandemic, my mammogram appointment was delayed by three months right so you know I have been affected by that and that was another sort of worry in case it threw up something you know yep. and then I would be months behind um and I mentioned my um you know my cancer support group earlier you know a lot of the ladies that I know through that you know they've had their treatment affected as well and some of them unfortunately you know they're still going through really really difficult difficult periods of treatment um, so that's not been great. Um, and I have still got, um, well, eight and a half years worth of treatment going forward because yes. the cancer that I had, um, effectively is, is boosted by hormones. So okay. I need to have, um, a drug called tamoxifen, which I'm yeah. on, you know, that was prescribed to me for, for 10 years. So I've got to have that every day and touch wood, you know, I'm not experiencing any major side effects. I did have some side effects when I first started to take it, but I think that was my body just getting used to it. But my joints really seized up. I could barely walk for two days. Um, but other people have had far more severe effects and long-term effects as well. So I'm just hoping that, you know, that doesn't really affect me going forward. So, um, but yeah, it's just something, you know, it's not something you can just kind of put in a box and go forget about it. It's, it is, it is yeah. there, but I do count myself lucky that it's, it, it wasn't a hell of a lot worse. That's for sure. Cause a lot of people, you know, have far worse experiences than I have. Of course. No, no, no. I, I know what you mean. It's, it's really hard, isn't it? Sorry. Cause I understand what you're saying about, you know, in a sense you feel lucky, but at the same point, like you said as well, is that you're not lucky. And it's, it's a, it's a very, very difficult one as well because I imagine you've seen so many things from other people that you must look and think wow my situation is quite lucky compared to that person and what they're going through yeah but, it um, is and yeah. well so I was just going to say you know and it, it's just that that it, it is that financial security but it is also you know I'm now I'm now without 
further protection if that makes sense yeah. you know I've had I've had my payouts and you know I'm, I'm certainly not sitting here on millions that's for sure you know and, you know you always think with a beautiful eyes like, oh what if I just doubled my cover you know yeah. but you didn't you know but as I said you know I'm I, I you know I'm single so I've got to be self-reliant so a lot of that money has been put aside just yeah. because you just don't know and and certainly as they're waiting for those extra tests and every year when I have this mammogram you just think well what if that happens again? Um, yeah. Or if, if something else happens, you know, what if I have a stroke or other, yeah. you know, other serious illness? You just, you just don't know. But you know, as it as it is at the moment, you know, I'm not in a position of being able to just top up my cover. I can't do that. Yeah, I know you said um, as well that um, previously when we chatted that you've said that sometimes the way that people can say things can be really quite difficult to hear and I know that there's quite a lot of contention because you know we see some things on social media saying you know it'd be something like hashtag cancer survivor or you know hashtag warrior and stuff like that and I think it's possibly one of those situations where some people some people I think in a sense like that in some ways you know they're kind of like I am a cancer survivor but then you can also find that just as equally, just as many people can go, hang on a minute, don't call me a warrior, don't call me a survivor, this isn't a battle that I chose, and it's an insult to anybody who hasn't survived, because that's, how can you say that they've not fought, in a sense? And I know you do have some specific, sorry, examples as well, so is there anything that kind of stands out to you? I know, again, you're one, and other people may be different to you, but what kind of things sort of stand out that you think, you know what, just, even if you're trying to say it in the nicest possible way, just don't say that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the whole cancer warrior survivor thing is actually quite a difficult one because that really is down to personal preference. I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, one one easy example to kind of give is um, I'm sure many of you be aware of that in a lot of hospitals on the cancer wards, there's a bell, you know, and once once somebody is given the all clear, they, they ring a bell. Now, a lot of people obviously like that, you know, that they, they like that, yeah. you know, that sense of, you know, my, my, my treatment has been completed. I'm finally leaving this hospital. I can go home to my loved ones. For a lot of people, though, they have a real problem with that bell because there are a lot of people that will never, ever recover from their cancer yes. and they will never leave that hospital bed. And for them, they just feel it's just rubbing my nose in it. Okay, so it's yeah. really difficult. And I would never have known that before, no. you know, all of this happened to me. So it's really difficult sometimes to know what to say when it comes to something that's really black and white but what I have experienced so just trying to get travel insurance you know that's you know again another reason why you've got to put money aside because things just now cost more so my travel insurance is now a lot more than it ever used to be um because of you know I'm seen as a obviously much higher risk um which is kind of debatable but anyway uh, that's another story but um you know just calling up a can you know a a um uh, a specialist in travel insurer that that helps people who have had illnesses get cover so they are used to talking to people with illnesses all the time like we would be when we're you know yeah. doing applications or helping claimants um but it's just that you know you're going through a form and you know what w- you know what's your health issue oh you know breast cancer oh that's okay and it's just that little thing of i know nothing was meant by that but ultimately yeah it's not really okay. And you would just expect somebody to at the very least just say, I'm really sorry to hear that, but you know, all being well, we're going to be able to help you. That's kind of that. So just kind of acknowledgement. 
and I know it wasn't any any nobody was meaning anything by it ultimately their brain was just in work mode in terms of yeah. okay that's okay I know we can cover people with breast cancer or who have had breast cancer and it's the same thing with us in our industry you know I've yeah. heard advisors for example going through the the family history question yes. and they're asking it and the person has said you know well my father was my father passed away at 67 from a heart attack oh that's okay no yeah. it isn't okay that person's lost their father you yeah. know I'm sorry to hear that it's really what you should be saying to them um, or thank you ever so much for sharing that with me um but again it's nothing's meant by it it's just work mode oh that's okay because it's 67 not before the age of 65 so yeah. it's just a question of just being being mindful that you're not just going through a process going through the motions this is a person sharing something quite personal and potentially upsetting to them yes so just as I said, just acknowledge it. Think about the words that you use because, you know, as I've said on, on previous previous um, sessions, you know, people don't necessarily remember what you say to them, but they certainly do remember how you make them feel. So, you know, that's just something that you know always resonates with me, and it is so true. So, um, yeah, just 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 think when you when you're talking to your clients because we do have to have difficult conversations. That's the nature of the the industry that we're in. We can't avoid them. This is what we do. So. You know just try and be prepared and think what you're going to say absolutely that's a really really good point thank you well i have a case study to provide for the advisors and then we can obviously have a little bit about a chat about what you're doing at british friendly and then hear all the sort of latest gossip and stuff maybe if you can share things <laughs> but um in regards to a case study i really want to share this one because i know that from an advisor point of view there's a lot of stuff in the industry at the moment, obviously about insurers in a sense reducing their risk appetite with the coronavirus. And there are certain conditions that I think, you know, we can all say that, you know, the insurers aren't necessarily targeting certain conditions. They're reducing their, the sort of like, well, they're being more cautious, heightened cautiousness for everybody. But there are certain conditions that are causing people to have more concern because of coronavirus. And, you know, there's certain things like having a high BMI, high blood pressure, diabetes, and also things like cancer, uh, sometimes causing a bit of concern. Um, but what I want to do is give an example of somebody who's had cancer that we were able to um, provide uh, protection insurance for, life insurance for last month. It was a woman in her 40s and three years before speaking to us, she'd had stage one grade two breast cancer. And we knew that the, the, the cancer itself had been more than one centimeter in size. She'd had a lumpectomy and there were, had been no lymph node involvements and there'd been no spread to any other areas. And, um, and with this one, I'll just say a really quick example. So for her to cover the mortgage, it was level life insurance of £100,000 over 20 years. And that was about £33 per month. And I just wanted to put that out there for advisors to hear to just sort of go, I know there's that caution at the moment and I know sometimes people are unsure as to what can and can't be available for people. But just even if you are speaking to a client, even if you do hear cancer and you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, everything's got stricter now. It doesn't necessarily mean that things are a no. It just means that there maybe needs to be a slightly different research. It may be that it's insurers that it could be insurers that you have on your panel. It may be people off your panel. And in that case, it's a good idea to try and signpost to to a company that you can trust and know will look after your clients. But getting back to you then, Emma, you've been with British Friendly for about two years now. What's it been like? Because I have to say, I have to say you've, kind of, you've kind of turned on us, haven't you, as advisors? You've gone from an advisor to insurer. You've gone to, uh, you've the, gone to the other side. side. Somebody, you've as some people side. would have said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I have, so, you know, yeah, uh, 
October I'll be celebrating two years at British Friendly, but obviously it's been a rather disjointed two years um, because I mean, you know, I've, I've pretty much now worked just over half of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I was off for a long period of time, but but I mean, I you know, it's been great for me working for an income protection specialist, you know, for, for years, I've been a, an advocate and campaigner for, for IP. And, and I still am. And I would still say in terms of, you know, your hierarchy of needs, that income protection is probably the product that most people should be taking out. Um, I appreciate, obviously, that, you know, there will be some people that do have sick pay in place, but how long is that going to last them? And as I touched on earlier, you know, people's job situations can change you know when we're going to see people unfortunately losing their jobs um, because of this crisis we're going to see people you know as they have been moving from the employed market into the self-employed market you know contract workers um, and you know if they had only been relying on group schemes by the time they actually need to take out cover themselves they might have had a change in their health which might prevent them from doing so so it's difficult to try and persuade somebody to try and double up, but I would certainly, if they can, at the very least, even if it's just a little bit, so they've got something in place, if something should be taken away from them when it comes to employee benefits. Um, it's a difficult conversation, but, you know, because we know how difficult it is to get people to understand the value of protection and actually pay for it. But, you know, if if somebody can do that, then, you know, I think they should. Um, and I think, you know, as much as, um, as I said, you know, I'm still a, a huge, huge advocate of, of IP. You know, my job at British Friendly is to try and boost the already award-winning proposition that we've got. Yeah. Um, I am really conscious about the added costs of being sick. Yeah. And that's not really what IP is designed to cover because obviously you're covering to replace your salary, but you're not then covering the added costs that you might have to face. So just an example for me, one of the added costs that... I had while I was recovering, which I would have had no idea to expect, was having to go to the hairdresser to get my hair washed. You know, for for weeks and weeks and weeks, I wasn't able to go in a shower because, you know, I couldn't get anything anything wet. So I had to go to the hairdressers twice a week just to get my hair washed. And and I couldn't bend over a um, a bath or a sink to do it myself um, just because of obviously my injuries. So um you know that was an added cost which you know fortunately i was fine to pay i was okay and i was i was in a position to pay but a lot of people who are really really you know struggling financially they would have they would have found that really tough tough to to do yeah um another cost that i had immediate immediately was i had to um buy surgical bras and they are not cheap you know mm. a post surgery bra you know i was looking at 50 pounds 50 60 pounds each nice. um so you know that's that's a lot of money for some people to find so for me absolutely i still think you know ip is the top of that hierarchy of needs but critical illness does obviously help people to find money for those extra costs so even if somebody can't afford obviously you know the full amount to pay their mortgage off or whatever it is you know even if they can just take out twenty thousand pounds even ten thousand pounds you know just something small that would give them a little little lump sum that would just help them with those added costs that they might have to face whether that be for their own health whether that be to help somebody look after them or they might have to um the taxi costs that people have i mean again i mean i've mentioned the word lucky a number of times but you know those of us who have had cancer compared to some other conditions are a little bit more lucky in some ways because 
everyone knows about cancer and when it comes to things like hospital parking you know i didn't have to pay for hospital parking because i was you know going mm. to get cancer treatment if i had been seriously ill with another type of treatment that i'd had to be going back to the hospital with that doesn't count you know mm. that it's not seen in the same way so there are a lot of people with really serious illnesses that will be facing costs that actually for some people with cancer they don't have so it's yeah, yeah it's a tricky one to try and balance but really you know look at all the options available you know don't just look at the maximum think about how you can fit something within a budget because absolutely something is going to be better than nothing at all you know and as you'll know Catherine you know yeah. you do this all the time and if you're not a specialist advisor you know seek out a partnership seek out somebody that can help you to make sure that your clients can walk away you know with that you know safety net in place that can hopefully be topped up at a later date but at least yeah. they're hopefully walking away with something you know now that will give them you know give them some level of protection absolutely i think it's, again something you said that really stands out so i was playing about some risk calculators um over the weekend as you do and um and i did one and it was saying something like um so i'm 35 non-smoker and it was just a really quite a simple it's like risk calculator but basically said based upon statistics and data and everything you know that you're a woman you're 35 you're non-smoker um that i've got five percent of chance dying in a sense you know it's like unexpectedly um but i've got a 41 percent chance of being unable to work for more than two months and i mean that's a massive difference you know it's a huge difference and i don't know if we necessarily hit home to people as much you know especially with income protection i know income protection is getting quite a bit of a a surge i think at the moment of people wanting yeah. it as advisors i'm sure other ones are having the same as me we're having that kind of awkward conversation with some clients because they're coming and going well i wanted to protect me if i'm made redundant and it's a case of well no that's that's not what it does and then people are like well i don't understand why it doesn't do that because it's protecting my income and it's called income protection and there's kind of like that complexity of you know obviously from inside the industry we know exactly what that means um but you know i think it's it's quite hard sometimes you've got people coming and they're so positive and then you're saying to them well actually it's not going to do what you want and then they kind of go oh and so they're going to go a bit negative but you're going but it's still really really good and you should look at it for this reason and yeah it's kind of this wave of emotions of trying to get it but i think that was um that was really really important um so i like to, to just say that and yeah and as you're right absolutely to hit home just how important income protection is and i think you know with coronavirus and everything and people especially with people who are getting the long covid symptoms it's you know this is a time where you know obviously without going into the part of sort of really scaring people into getting it clearly you know there's a very very strict line that we need to have there um it is just the perfect time to kind of say you know this is why this insurance is so important yeah just don't leave it till too late i mean one of my friends who i recommend my my, my friends and family to um you know she she's she's had one or two clients that she's been trying to get to you know she's advised them they've been, oh, i'll think about it i'll think about it oh well, i'll just wait until that happens i'll wait until that happens and then unfortunately something then does happen to their health yeah. and then they're not able to get the cover that she was trying to get them to take out six months before and that's just that's just really sad you know yeah. and we do we're all guilty of putting stuff off for particularly things that we don't want to do we don't want to be paying money no. um you know for protection and we don't want to ever have to claim on it that's the sad thing but yeah. you know that's why it's important to be talking about all the added value services that that many insurers provide you know british venue we've got a, a big suite of products you know to provide all those extra things i mean i've talked about the second medical opinion and i you know and i did use the best doctor's service yeah. because i had my aig cover but you know 
we 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 use Square Health and they have a second medical community services. There's lots of different insurers that offer these fabulous things yeah. that go alongside all the products that we sell, whether it be virtual GP services. I mean, counselling. I mean, you think about all the the difficulties that people are facing, you know, mental health wise at the moment. You know, those services are so important. And then there's the nice things to have, you know, which some insurers, you know, like we we offer, you know, your retail discounts and other kind of rewards for having cover in place. So it's trying to get people to understand how the policies that we sell can help them day to day, week to week, not just when tragedy strikes. And hopefully through that, we can get people to to understand more about the value, you know, because we want to be providing good value cover and these added value services are doing just that. And I think going forward, we perhaps just need to make more of them, particularly given the 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 challenges that we're all facing with the pandemic, but also yeah. just making sure that we're doing as much as we can. And that is insurers and advisors alike to make sure that, that clients understand what they've bought, what they can claim on and what they can use. because sometimes we're not always the best at doing that um we've definitely got so much better in the last few years that's for sure as a collective industry but all of us have got a key responsibility to make sure that that customers understand it so they can keep cover in place and keep reviewing it as well that's the other thing you know make sure that as advisors we're helping advise you know helping clients to review their cover regularly as insurers we're helping advisors do that that we're creating flexible products that can that can move with people's changing circumstances there's a whole lots of things that we've all got to build on um yeah. you know and i'm not saying everything's perfect that's for sure but it's it's definitely important and you know if i hadn't reviewed my cover i certainly would have not massively struggled but it certainly wouldn't have given me the peace of mind that i had and you know and i was lucky that both my critical illness policies paid out and my experience with both of them was 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 you know overall good you know i spoke to some really you know, caring, understanding people, which made a huge difference to me. And particularly um, my PMI vitality claim, you know, that was great because I had a dedicated claims manager that I would speak to regularly because obviously for them, and they are still paying out for me because I'm still obviously having treatment. um, You know, that's that made a, a world of difference actually having that support. So, you know, it's been good in a way I say it's been good in a way obviously I would prefer not yeah. to have been in this position but after years of you know promoting the value of protection it's been helpful I say helpful rather than good yeah. um yeah. to be on the other side of the fence than being on the receiving end and understand what works I have you know it wasn't all perfect with all three insurers there definitely were a few things so that's yeah. helped me learn um I've obviously fed back to them you know yeah, given my course. professional capacity so that they can kind of um, you know, they knew where things weren't quite right. But as an overall, you know, it was it was a good experience. It was a good test. Um, and um, yeah, it's, you know, certainly just made me more passionate for the for the good work that we do. That's for Brilliant. sure. That's that's fantastic, and uh, and I think it's like a really good time for us to sort of start to to bring the podcast to a close. So, so you are involved in our Truth Our Life feature, Emma. <laughs> So what we're going to be doing, everybody, is um, talking about what our favourite TV show was as a child. So I will go first, give Emma a chance to have a little think. Um, so mine was Count Ducula. <laughs> Loved him. <laughs> I th- oh, oh, goodness me. I had, I, had a, I had quite a few, to be perfectly honest. 
but I think I'm going to probably go with Mysterious Cities of Gold. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Oh. Right, that's it. I'm going to have to find out. it. I'm going to have to go find it now. Fantastic. Well, you see, you, you are lucky enough to be a few years younger than me, so maybe that's why it wasn't quite on your radar. But, um, but yes, it was. Yeah. Well, but there, but there, were, just so, there were just so many. But, I'll, yeah, I'll pick well, that one. I definitely, remember, I definitely remember watching that one, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you um, so much. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Catherine. It's been really good. Thank you. Well, obviously as well. Thank you, Emma. Thank you everybody for listening. It's been really, really good and informative to just hear all those different things about how, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you, there's that kind of process of it's the next hurdle, what actually radiotherapy is like, you know, I had no idea about the, the tattoos and things like that. You know, that's, that's something that's completely... It's a bit of a shock. They didn't prepare for me to say, you know, it's just like, oh, we need to tattoo you now. I was like, what? Tattoos? See, you see, I'm just thinking of my tattoo artist actually coming up out of the corner with his long hair covered in tattoos and just goes, right, here you go. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many, as I said, it's just, it's, just, it's just so many things that you just got to think that you wouldn't have had to think. I mean, I haven't actually touched on the fact that I then had to have other surgery to kind of even me up, you know, yeah. it's just that that I hadn't even thought about. And then, you know, it is... I, my scars do hurt regularly they, they they itch that you know it's just those things that you've just got to got to live with but as I said mm. you know overall um I you know I'm very grateful for my experience as I said I have had a brilliant surgeon and, and that just goes to show how important being in the right hands you know it is um I wish I could say the same for my oncologist but that's another story luckily I only have to see him <laughs> once a year <laughs> That's a completely separate podcast, isn't it? That one. I know, <laughs> That's just 50 a... minutes of letting you talk. To... <laughs> but actually with him, it's a classic example of what we were saying about the importance of what you say. And he yeah. has no empathy and he's absolutely just clinician. Right. Yeah. You know, he'll just come out with stuff without actually thinking about the impact it could have on you. There is just no, no sense of kind of sympathy or what you could be going through at all. And as a result, you know, unfortunately, he's just not necessarily the right person person to do that job Um, but I'm sure he's brilliant in terms of actually the scientific side of things but it just goes to show the importance of how you say things and what you say as well as obviously what you know Um, but as I said you know overall I have been I have been lucky I will use that word again I have been lucky you know and I also I don't actually would like to say this opportunity just to say I have been also super super lucky with the amount of people the amount of family friends colleagues you know industry that have given me so much support which has just been amazing and I know that you know I'm not the only one in our industry that I've gone through some really tough times recently there were quite a few of us um you know and that's it's awful but you know it's gonna happen isn't it we're we're here you know Mm -hmm. I said walking testament for the value of the work that we do so we just need to try and help more consumers have that peace of mind in place absolutely you're completely right Emma I'm going to be back in two weeks' time, but I may be back with a little surprise in between episodes, a little extra episode next week, possibly. So everybody watch this space. So if you'd like a reminder of that, please do um, drop me a message on social media or visit the website www.practical-protection.co.uk. And don't forget that if you have listened, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website too. So again, thank you so much, Emma. Thank you. Bye. Bye.